This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from Pretoria Law in Tysons, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-hosts, Joapa Bon Potomac Companies, John Yetman AEG, Association for Enterprise Growth, David Kunzman, Pretoria Law, Shirley Mowry, Hertzbach. And uh, we have a great lineup of guests for you on our show today, including Julian Sedian, President and CEO of SOS International, Brandon Torres Declet, CEO and co founder, Measure, Alex, how do you pronounce your last name, Alex? Kaludrovich. Who is the General Manager of American Technology Services, and Catherine and Harvey Mendelson, CEO and President of Sunnyside Restaurant Group. Let's get to our first guest, Julian Sedian, President and CEO of SOS International. Julian, what is SOS International? What are you guys doing? We're a mid-tier government services integrator based in Washington, D.C. Uh-huh. How large or how small is this organization? We have 1,500 employees, do about $500 million in revenue. Oh, that's a nice, nice company. Wow. And, and how did you get a job with this company? Started with my mother back in 1995. So your mother started the business? Yes. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters do you have, and where are you from originally? I've got one sister, and I'm from New York City. Uh-huh. And what happened when you were four years old? My parents got divorced. Your parents were divorced when you were four years old. And what do you remember about that time, and how do you think that's affecting you nowadays? I developed a deep sense of uh, separation anxiety early. What do you mean a separation anxiety early? What are you talking about here? Fear, fear of commitment. Uh, fear of separation, fear of loss. Uh-huh. So uh, you you have uh, you're you're sort of driven, aren't you? Pretty driven. Uh-huh. Shirley. Uh, you mentioned that you took you the business was started by your mother. When you took over, how big was it? And remind me how big it is now. We were doing about five million dollars in sales and had about uh, fifty employees. And nowadays. Uh, five, $500 million in sales, 1,500 employees. So basically it was about 1% of the size it is nowadays. You've really grown this organization, haven't you? Uh-huh. Shirley, what else? T- um, you mentioned you liked basketball as a kid. What role did you play on the team? I was a p- point guard and captain. And what is the, the purpose of a point guard? A point guard uh, sets plays, organizes the team, serves as a de facto leader. And how does that relate to what you do today? I'm the play setter today in my own business. You really see a, you see a parallel between playing the point guard and what you're doing nowadays? No question about it. Oh, okay, good. Good question, Shirley. David? Um, you mentioned earlier, um, 8 to 14, your mother was a mentor t- uh, to you. And how does that uh, affect your business today? Well, I mean, she's, she's the company matriarch. Um, I've taken my sort of my moral headings from her. Um, She's she's the one who who taught me a lot of the a lot of the foundational values that exist today in our business. And what role did you play in her life when when you were a youngster? I was I, I was really the de facto man in her life since uh, uh, since you know we separated they separated when I was uh, so young. So you had kind of two roles: son and man in the life, man in her life, and you had a you had an older sister as well. 
Correct. Right. How, how this man in her life? What, what's that have to do with uh, what you're doing nowadays? I mean, she depended. She depended on me early on uh, emotionally, and uh, later that became uh, materially and financially. This is your mom you're talking about. That's correct. You think that helped you drive and build the business? Yep, sure did. Mm -hmm. John? Someone once gave you advice that was fill the box. What does that mean? Um, yeah, so uh, I was advised to uh, fill the box that I have to the maximum degree before graduating to a bigger box. And is that why you started multiple businesses and are involved with multiple organizations? Yes. Oh, wait, 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 wait. So what, what, what other organizations have you started? What other businesses have you started? Uh, two other businesses in particular, one in the extractives and mining sector, and the other is a, is a data analytics business. And how large or how small are those businesses? Um, uh, one is uh, uh, projected to be about $10 million in sales this year, and the other is uh, 3 to $4 million a year enterprise. But I don't understand. If you were told to go fill the box, why are you starting these other businesses? Restlessness. Fear? Fear, for sure. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I understood. Who's got yeah. the next question? Yeah, and you're involved with YPO? Correct. Why? Uh, I became passionate about peer-to-peer -peer learning largely because, um, you know, I didn't have clear role models in my life um, beyond my mother. And so um, the idea that leaders can, can learn from each other because it's lonely at the top made, made a lot of sense to me, resonated with me early. Mm -hmm. So um, it seems to me, if we were t when we were talking earlier in the green room, it seems to me that you know one of these businesses led to the next business led to the next business it seems to me that you're pretty good at establishing and maintaining relationships and then leveraging with and from those relationships does that make any sense yeah it makes a lot of sense T tell us about um how young were you when you started making money and how did you get the job i was about 13 years old referred by a friend scooping ice cream steve's ice cream on 112th and 113th street and so Broadway. Your, your first job somebody brought you into it Yes. So you're pretty good being brought into stuff. Your mother brought you into a business. Uh, how do you get? How do you get exposed to these other businesses that you started? Always relationships. Relationships are key. Uh, the foundation to uh, to business in general. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I read the newspapers and and it, I, I I hear about lawsuits and people suing each other and blood and guts. You're telling me, you just said told me the foundations are the everything in business, but that's not what I read in the newspapers. It's 100% about relationships. What are you talking about? Business is an art, not a science, just like relationships. Business is an art, not a science, like relationships. G give me some more about that, and how did you learn that? And what? Tell me more about that. Um, you know, uh, establishing an endearing trust uh, amongst your peers, people you work with, um, really are critical to success in business. Uh, use the word trust in the same sentence as business <laughs> really uh yeah nowadays unfortunately that doesn't seem to be the case but um but yes i think successful business always leads back to trust and trust is like love you either feel or you don't so you're telling me that you have people in business and the different businesses you're involved with that you really trust absolutely and it's not necessarily the contract you have with them it's the relationship you have with them Absolutely. I, I guess without the relationship, you're just going to have problems anyway. So you really got to bet on the relationship, right? On the people? 100%. So you're pretty good at picking and choosing where who people are and where people fit? I like to think so. Was that the role of the point guard? Yes. Tell us more about that. You know, picking your, not just picking the right team, but figuring out how you can maximize the strengths of the people on the team. Not just picking the right team, but figuring out, I guess, where everybody fits on the team, huh? Correct. Huh. 
And that's the same thing with business. Absolutely. Well, what else are you guys thinking, David? Well, uh, with a family business, um, uh, it's great to have those relationships already. But um, uh, you mentioned the green room. At your scoop and ice cream. You're working really hard. Tell us about how you were different. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can never uh, be the smartest guy in the room. You can never be the most creative guy in the room. But you definitely can be the hardest guy, hardest working guy in the room. So to me, that's always been the critical factor. Working hard. Yes. Uh huh. Now, let me ask you a question. You're running a company. You're running a couple of companies. A five hundred million dollar business. A ten million dollar. Do you have the nicest car in the parking lot? <laughs> no. <laughs> why not? <laughs> That's a funny question. Yeah. Why uh, not? I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I I grew an attachment to my uh, little two thousand three uh, BMW convertible. I get a lot of jokes about that. By the way, it works. So wait a minute. <laughs> you're driving a two thousand three BMW. Why don't you buy yourself a fancy new car? It's just not me. I'm just not that guy. What are you talking about? It just doesn't feel natural to me. I thought the whole idea was to make a lot of money and buy fancy cars and stuff. It's never been about that. What, what, what's it been about? What are, you, what are you talking about? I don't understand. I mean, I get jazzed up over the enterprise building process, and uh, it's never been about money. If it were, I'd have cashed out a long time ago. The enterprise building process. What, what do you tell, tell me more about that. What do you mean? It's just, uh, you know, um, I think just building, building large enterprise, um, watching people thrive and prosper within, within that enterprise. Those are the things that really get me excited. It's never about the money. It's all about the team? Correct. Hmm. Do you think you're going to retire someday? Probably not. Well, well, but could you financially retire now if you wanted to? I could have retired 10 years ago. So why don't you? I wouldn't know what to do with myself. So you really enjoy the challenge of building the team? Absolutely. It's not necessarily for the money? No. And you're driving a 2003 BMW that's 15 years old? Correct. Uh-huh. So, so w- 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 is your mom still around nowadays? She is. Uh-huh. And uh, is your mom surprised about how you turned out? Um, <laughs> I don't think she's surprised. Um, a little bit bewildered, I guess. She's, you know, she's, I've kind of taken her kicking and screaming all the way. <laughs> well, you took the role as the, uh, you know, as the man in, her, in, her, in, the, in the house. What, what, what's, the, uh, best, what's the best part of your day? Um, waking up in the morning. Looking forward to the day, the challenge of the day, building the team. And what the fact that I made it past, made it through the day, the day <laughs> prior. <laughs> What's the website address of this organization uh, known as SOS International? SOSI.com. Let me have that one more time. SOSI.com. We've been speaking with Julian Sidian, president and CEO of SOS International here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name and organization is? Amy Glecklin, X Game Plan. Uh-huh. And Amy, I understand that your father was a doctor, and when you were a kid, you moved to Israel. But something didn't work out in Israel, and you found yourself in a trailer park in Florida. What was that all about? Yeah, so we ended up in, in Florida, mm-hmm. and I went to first grade there. And tell me a little bit about your relationship with the other kids when you were in Florida in this trailer park. This trailer park was full of kids from families where the fathers and mothers had worked in the military, and so... Um, I became friends with a lot of them, and I was the one that they would come to whenever they had any issues or problems. What kind of stuff were they? What kind of stuff were they talking to you about? Oh, there were all kinds of problems related to sibling issues, to some abuse issues, uh, and uh, interpersonal issues. So you found yourself in the role of a counselor back then when you were a kid, and do you find yourself is there, is there the same kind of role you're playing with the CEOs nowadays in leadership teams? Absolutely. Um, so I 
really found myself enjoying that part of the work and enjoying um, what part of the work what do you uh, mean helping people figure out what's going right what's going wrong and helping them figure out a new path ah, which is what you were doing at that trailer park when you were a kid after your dad's gig didn't work out in israel isn't that the Absolutely. same kind of stuff what do you enjoy about what you do for a living i actually i think i'm really a helper at the at the end of it i think that's really it's all about helping people get to something new and finding a better version of themselves finding a better version of themselves so it sounds to me like there really is a connection between your helping other friends when you were a kid and what you're doing now as a leadership coach with executives and executive teams helping them move to the next level what, what's the website address of your organization it, it's next game plan nextgameplan.com let me have that one more time nextgameplan.com and your name again is, is amy glecklin and you're president of next game plan this has been your business spotlight and your name and organization is Tim Hipskin, Worldwide Tech Services. And uh, what's your role in that company, Tim? Senior Vice President, Sales and Client Management. So, Sales and Client Management. Tell us, how young were you when you started making money? 14 years old. Uh-huh. And what were, you, what were you doing? You told us you got a job at a pool. And how did you get, what was your starting point at that pool? And what was the progression over what period of time? It was guest registration at the front desk, and it led to selling items in a snack bar to lifeguarding. So you were there for how many years? Six years. Did most kids stick with that job for six years? No. Uh-huh. Why do you stick with it for six years? I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed selling. I enjoyed spending time with people, uh, relationships. So you enjoyed selling, and it doesn't sound to me like selling is a dirty word in your vocabulary. Why, 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 no, why I work? think selling is uh, misunderstood. I think it builds trust, and over time, it's relationships. Give me that again. Give me, give me that definition of selling. Trust and relationships. Wow. Okay. And tell me how that relates to your role in this company. It's everything in this company because I'm in charge uh, for selling sales and client management so we don't separate the sale from the continuation of supporting that client over a long period of time. All right. How long have you been with this company? 16 years. You really do have longevity and sales in your blood. It goes back to when you were working at that pool to what you're doing nowadays. Is there, is there a parallel there or am I just... Uh, absolutely. I think there is. And you're, and you're also pointing out to me that sales back then and sales nowadays, it's, it's not a matter of lying to somebody. It's, give me that definition again. No, it's, it, it builds trust and relationships. It's not a dirty word. What's the website? I like to say it's a positive word. Yeah. What's the website address of your organization? www.ts.com. Let me have that again. www.ts.com. www.ts.com. And your name again is? Tim Hipskin. And your title? Senior Vice President, Sales and Client Management. And this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce a gentleman by the name of Brandon Torres DeClet, who is the CEO and co-founder of an organization known as Measure. Brandon, what is Measure? What are you guys doing? Measure is a D.C.-based drone services and software company. Uh-huh. How large or how small is this organization? 45 employees uh, right in downtown Chinatown. Uh-huh. And how'd you get a job with this company? I started it. How old were you when you started it? I was 38 years old. Did you, were you married and did you have any kids? I was married, uh, had three kids, and decided to take the plunge and be an entrepreneur. Uh-huh. That's pretty risky considering most businesses fail. Where are you from originally? New York City. How many brothers and sisters? One brother and one sister. Where were you in the pecking order? At the top. You're the oldest, huh? I am. Uh-huh. So tell us, what was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? What, was the, uh, what were the major impact or major impacts in your life back then? Crazy times. Uh, when I was uh, 11, mm-hmm. my folks decided to move from New York City to Ridgewood, New Jersey. 
mm-hmm. and uh, we they bought a nice house in the burbs. Yeah. And then uh, you know, literally a couple months later, my my dad lost his job in that uh, Black Monday in 1987. Uh huh. So how did how did that losing his job affect you? Uh, it was hard. Uh, my parents had just taken out a very large mortgage. And they had uh, three kids to, to look after. How and, old, and you were 11 or 12. Were you aware of the fact that they took out a large mortgage and your dad lost his job? Of course. I remember my dad negotiating uh, the mortgage with the bank on the phone at my grandmother's house. So you remember this, huh? Yep. And uh, what was such a big deal about you moving from, uh, from, Man- from New York City to uh, New Jersey? What was the big deal there? I was a city kid. I had an entire network of friends and, and things I, I knew what to do and where to go. And moving to the, the Burbs became a very car-dependent type lifestyle. It was so very different from New York. So you learned about starting over, didn't you? I did. Everything started over. So uh, you learned about courage, huh? Let me ask you a question. I'm wondering if that, if that experience starting over, moving from New York City to uh, Ridgewood, New Jersey, and Dad losing his job, I'm wondering if that had any influence on your... Uh, wanting and your ability to start a business when you were 38 with three kids and being married yeah i always wanted to succeed um i always wanted something of my own and i, I wanted to make sure that uh that mm-hmm. i didn't leave that opportunity um you know and i never did it mm-hmm. david uh tell us about your father's uh job in finance yeah, he was one of the first uh hispanic senior vice presidents at Citibank. Uh, he did mergers and acquisitions at the time and you indicated in the green room that a lot of challenges he faced in that role. Yeah, uh, I mean, back in the '80s, uh, there 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 weren't a lot of people uh, like my dad at Citibank, and you know, I think he faced, you know, some discrimination, some some prejudice. He would he would tell me some pretty horrible stories about what folks would say behind his back. And uh, you mentioned that he emphasized tenacity. Talk about that. Yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, he always said to me that um, you know, when you fall down, you better get back up. And uh, there's nothing more more important in this world than being tenacious. Um, 12 years old, your first uh, paying job. Tell us about that. Uh, I was a swimming instructor at the local uh, YWCA, uh, YMCA in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And it was your idea to get that job? It was. It was my idea. I, I think I wanted to, to find ways to, to meet people and and to do something I liked. And you continued doing it, you mentioned earlier. And But, but what made you different as a swimming instructor? I think the fact is that... Um, I enjoyed working with the kids who were who were really scared, genuinely scared of getting in the water um, and learning uh, how to swim and so just caring for them. Okay. What's that? What's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays? Helping those kids who were really scared and caring for those kids. What's that have to do with what you're doing now? Well, when you have a company and you've got to grow it and nurture it, you have to care and you have to uh, figure out you know what's important. And it it always, uh, as uh, Julian has said, it's about uh, it's about the team. It's about the people. Huh. Okay, I didn't realize that before, Shirley. What clubs were you involved with when you were a kid? Uh, in in high school, I did uh, students for environmental action. I did, uh, you know, the the local Democratic club. Um, you know, I always I always kind of was fascinated by both politics and environmental issues. And what role did you play amongst the kids in the clubs? You know, I I, I typically tried to take a leadership role. Um, I always felt like uh, I could contribute, and I could contribute best if I um, if I step forward. And how does that relate to what you're doing today? You can't you can't be a CEO and co-founder of a company unless you're willing to step forward and take a risk. Risk taking is incredibly important part of being successful in this life. John, as a New Yorker, how did 9/11 affect you? 
Um, it affected me deeply. Uh, when I was in law school, I literally lived a block away. I remember as a kid going to the World Trade Center, um, and uh, it changed my life. Uh, why did you become a lawyer? <laughs> well, uh, when I graduated uh, college, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know exactly uh, what I wanted to do, and I don't think I was particularly ready to go off into the real world, so I decided to apply for law school and see if I could figure it out over those three years. Back to 9-11, how did that change your life? Um, I just completely decided to do something for our country and for our nation and um, decided to just go into a completely different direction, more towards you know Homeland Security and national security and those types of issues than what I had been working on previously. And then how did you get involved with drones? Is that part of it? It, it, was, a nat it was a natural extension. Uh, you know, part of the work I was doing in in this space led to to drones and to drone policy and measure became an became another outgrowth of that what do you mean measure became an outgrowth of that what are you talking about well it, it was it was an idea it was an idea that um that we could take the technology and, and commercialize it in some way for for businesses and and i was seeing a lot of value that government was getting out of the the tech and i figured there was a way to do it and make some money at it do you really think that move from New York City to New Jersey and your father losing his job had any impact on your starting this business? Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I wanted to have more, more control over my destiny, be my own boss. Uh -huh. What would your wife think of that idea? Well, I didn't tell her at first. Um, like every idea, you, you start and you want to make sure that you've really got something before you get everyone's wheels spinning and everyone worried about the decision you're going to make next. Well, how did you know you really had something? At what point in time did you tell your wife that you were going to quit your job and put the three kids at risk? I just believed it in my core. And uh, and I, when, I, when I told it to her, she was, and I, I guess I was worried initially she wasn't going to be supportive, but she ended up being my biggest champion, my biggest fan. What do you mean? Um, she supports me unconditionally uh, in everything I do. Mm -hmm. Your mom and dad aware of what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. You think they're surprised? Not at all. Uh, not at all. But I oftentimes have to spend a lot of time explaining to them <laughs> what I do every day. Uh huh. How's your dad feel about what you're doing? Uh, he's incredibly proud of me. Why? Because um, I'm doing something I love. And I think that's important. Life is short. Take the risk. What is, what is it about drones you love, or what, what is it you love about what you're doing? Is it the drones, or what, what is it? You know, we, we, I traveled on airplanes a lot as a kid, and I just was fascinated by airplanes, by aviation, and I could never be a pilot because I have uh, terrible eyesight. So this is a way to be in the aviation space and, uh, and, and, and enjoy that part. So who, who are your customers for this business? Big companies, uh, big energy companies primarily that have large infrastructure portfolios that need to be inspected with drones. So you're doing the inspections for them? We're doing the inspections, that's right. Uh-huh. Does that caring for the kids when you were a swimming instructor have anything to do with your clients? Well, it does, because oftentimes we're preventing people from you know, taking the dangerous step of climbing up a cell tower or climbing up a wind turbine to, to find defects or, or, or repairs that need to be made. So. You know, for one of our largest customers, we've, you know, avoided 57,000 man hours of, of dangerous labor. Right, g g give me that again. So for one of our largest energy companies, um, we've helped them avoid 57,000 hazardous man hours in the field over the last two years. Using drones. Using drones. Mm -hmm. What other questions you guys got? 
What's the best part of your day? What do you like best about your day? I like that I don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Uh, I what? have a schedule, yeah. and there are meetings on that schedule, but something always uh, intercedes. And that excitement um, and that bit of unknown is what keeps me going. Wait a minute. You, 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 you like the unknown? I love the unknown. Isn't that frightening? Not to me. Uh-huh. And you have any kids? Three kids? I have three kids. Uh-huh. Any of them like you? Uh, they're all like me. What do you I mean? I have a nine-year-old and, and, and um, well, excuse me, she's eight. She'll be nine in August, uh. and my boys just turned uh, seven in April. They're uh -huh. twin boys. And um, I, What's I the similarity between being a dad and being an entrepreneur, or between being a CEO and being a dad? Whoop, I'm running out of time. Yeah, no, me, no, what's, your, what's a website address of Measure? Uh, Measure.com. Measure.com. Brandon Torres DeClet here on Executive Leaders Radio. Want to help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some, something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of the, one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, uh, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm -hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you, what did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your business spot. Thank you.
We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohn. We'd like to introduce Alex Kaludrovich, who is the general manager of American Technology Services. Alex, what is American Technology Services? What are you guys doing? It's a technology company here in Fairfax, Virginia, providing uh, IT services to small and mid-sized businesses. And how large or how small is the team? 50. And uh, where are you from originally? Born in New York City and made my way to Bangkok. How young were you when you went to Bangkok? One and a half. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters? I'm an only child, but not a recluse. Uh-huh. Tell me a little bit about when you're an only child growing up in Bangkok. What makes an only child special? Uh, I think it's just, you know, learning things yourself, Give me an being idea closer to your parents. Give me an idea of how young were you when you were learning things by yourself. Were you taking things apart and putting them back together again? Yes, uh, like first thing uh, was a uh, VCR that uh, got taken apart, uh-huh, so but you never put back together. Oh, I see, so you were, exp- you were uh, you're curious as a kid. Uh, David? Um, sometimes uh, only children, the parents project, uh, you know, you have to be the best athlete, best student, everything rolled into one child. Was that the case? No, they didn't push me uh, in that direction. They just wanted me to, you know, do what I could do best and what would be best for me. And what did your parents do for a living? My dad uh, worked for the United Nations, and my mom was a homemaker. And working f- in, a, in a kind of pu- a public role for the UN, uh, if you talk about the interactions you would have had and, and how you had Yeah, we had a lot of parties at our home, cocktail mm-hmm. parties, dinner parties. Uh, there was interaction with older people at my young age. And how did you, ap- how do you apply that to your job? I think it helps me interact with clients easier and also understand where they're coming from. Hmm, interesting. Shirley? Uh, how young were you when you first started working? Uh, about 14, mm-hmm. as a tennis assistant teacher helping my coach and how teach did you younger get that students. How did you get that job? Uh, the coach just thought that I was interacting well with others, and he thought that I'd connect with the younger students and help them along. And you mentioned that you also did tutoring for the Thai students when you were 15? Yes, that's right. Uh, I was helping them just kind of conversational English and how they would kind of make it once they made it to the States and start their schooling. And how does that tie in with what you're doing today? What are the similarities? I think it's just the mentoring, uh, providing guidance to my employees. It, It comes in handy. You see, you really see a similarity between uh, mentoring the Thai students and what you're doing nowadays. I think so. Uh, it's uh, it's helpful to interact with different cultures at our company. We have people from I don't know 20 different countries, so it it helps me kind of interact with them and understand them better. Hmm. Wow, John, Alex, in the green room, we asked who were your inspirations, and one of those people was Nikola Tesla. Can you talk about that? Yeah, uh, my family's Yugoslavian, so I learned of Tesla early on, early 70s, and I read a lot of books about him, and I just uh, loved his creative nature and uh, pushing the envelope. And then uh, you had a, a meeting with Pele. Yeah, that was a wild moment. What was that moment. about? Uh, yeah, my uh, mom knew the ambassador, Brazilian ambassador, and uh, introduced us to Pele and uh, got to meet him in person and talk to him. And you always think of him as a big star, but he's just another person, and he was very kind and interactive with us little kids. And how did that inspire you? I think it uh, inspired us all to kind of, you know, if you put the effort in what you love, uh, you can achieve greatness. 
What, what do you mean if you put the effort into what you love you achieve? I think is you, if you really work hard at what you want to achieve, there is a good possibility that you'll reach that point. Huh. Um, we have Tim Hipskind with us, who is Senior Vice President of Sales and Client Management of the company that acquired you recently, and you guys are working pretty closely together. Tim, wh what's your role with Alex? Uh, we both work for the same person. It's the uh, COO of the company. Uh, Alex plays a role of the GM, so he has the well, And what's, what's strange here. about the way your organization structured as opposed to most? Typically, in a lot of organizations, IT services, you have the sales and client management role reporting into a, a CEO or president of sales. In our case, we both work for the COO, so the operations is tied to the sales and ongoing support of the client manager. What's the benefit to your client of the way your organization it's structured? It's end-to-end, -end. so they don't see a face and then they disappear from a sales function. They have the operations and the sales and client management role all, all together Wait through the COO. So you're telling me that the way your organization's designed, it's purposeful, and what's the benefit to the client of the way your organization's purposely designed? It gives them end-to-end -end support and then the ongoing trust and relationship for a long-term a uh, uh, long-term contract huh. makes the whole organization work as a team. It's not. It's not division broken up by, you know, heads heads and empires. So it's seamless one person. So let's see if I get this correctly. Alex is the general manager to make sure that he's delivering what you sell, and you're responsible for selling what Alex is able to deliver. And you guys are both reporting into the same individual who's responsible for coordinating supply and demand. Am I seeing that correctly? Yes. Yep. Uh-huh. And that's not necessarily the way most IT organizations are structured. That not must typically. Be, that must be pretty detrimental to the client to have to deal with a whole mess of different people and who's really responsible. And somebody sold me something and then the organization couldn't deliver it. And it sounds to me like you guys are purposefully designed with the client in mind. Am I wrong about this? We, we like to look at it as one face, one throat to choke, a single point of contact. That's correct. Huh. Interesting. Now, this is a business, Alex, your business was acquired by Tim's organization? Yes, it uh, acquired us just recently on April Fool's Day. Uh -huh, and this is an organization, did you start the organization or did you go to work with this organization originally? Uh, I got hired by my business partner who started the company. Uh -huh. How many years ago was this? 94. Uh, I joined in uh, mm -hmm. 96. So this is a business you guys have built over 20 years and then why, why would you allow yourself to be acquired? Why would you want to be acquired? Well, my... Uh, business partner wanted to retire and mm -hmm. that was the only way to do it with a so small business. So it was a liquidity event. Correct. So basically the benefit of being acquired is that you're able to cash out your partner and you're also brought in other resources to the organization to help move you forward. Exactly. We're hoping that can help us to scale. We found us being two complementary organizations and we could really deliver some interesting services not only in this region as we do today but probably across the U.S. and eventually globally. Wow, so it sounds like there's a real synergy here considering what you guys are able to bring to the party collectively. Correct. Uh-huh. Other questions? Who's got another question here? Hmm. How, so you guys are working day in and day out together? Yes. Re recently we have been. I, I think there's going to be more of a, a longer-term plan to do that. And you, it's something you touched on, too. Um, you know, our interest in worldwide tech services and acquiring ATS was the scalability, so they're more regionalized here locally, and we want to take them and, as Alex referred to, grow them up and out. And we see a lot of promising opportunity with them in the hosting and managed services area. So this is actually creating an opportunity for Alex, for Alex's general management abilities. Yep, spot on.
and it and is. the folks here locally too because we're going to try again grow up and out from from a more regionalized approach so alex it so not only is it more opportunity for alex it's more opportunity for alex's team that's correct assuming they're able to take the load in terms of uh, helping build the business yes yeah. it's great opportunity for growth for all of us so this isn't a situation where a business got acquired and everybody lost their jobs this is a situation where mm. a business has been acquired it's creating opportunity yeah, we picked them purposely because we're complementary and there was no need to have people leave so after the event. Yeah, a lot of M&As, you see them go in and, and buy to, to bust up and, and break out. Ours was to buy and build up and grow out. Hmm, and this, this really fits your nature, Tim. Am I correct about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Now, how, how long have you been with the mother organization? 16 years. So you're really committed to this organization. I am. You've been with the organization for 16 years. So were you part of making the decision to acquire Alex's business? Yes. Why would they include you as part of the decision to acquire Alex's business? Background in M&A uh, with banking from many years ago, but more importantly with the originally uh, founding CEO for Worldwide Tech Services, he was part of the acquisition team. He asked me to help with the due diligence. And, of course, the person we both worked for, the COO, was also hands-on involved, and she had asked me to, so, to be involved. Uh, how important were your first impressions of Alex? That's what really did it for us. First impressions were everything. Uh, there was a sense of trust uh, just at the table. And there were other buyers, uh, but there was, there was a sense of trust and there was a commitment to their clients and their relationships that they have built over 26 years. I was impressed with the CEO and certainly impressed with Alex. Uh -huh. Alex, what was your impression, original impression of Tim? It, it was uh, very easygoing mm -hmm. and uh, interacted with him mm -hmm. from the get-go. And so what's the I website address of this organization? Uh, networkats.com. Let me have that one more time. Networkats.com. We've been speaking with Alex, your last name? Kaludrovich. Who's the General Manager of American Technology Services here on Executive Leaders Radio. Hi, this is Sherry from Hummingbird Market in Tucson, Arizona. I have some great news for those of you who like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are the most loved and easily fed birds in the United States. Attracting these flying jewels into your yard is accomplished by using the proper nectar and feeders available from Hummingbird Market. Hummingbird Market has revolutionized hummingbird nutrition. We scientifically formulate hummingbird nectar made with all-natural plant sugars that most closely replicate nectar from Mother Nature's flowers. It hydrates and energizes the hummingbird with the essential sugar-blended nutrients it requires for proper nutrition, which keeps them coming back to your yard. Hummingbird Market is your preferred source for hummingbird-approved feeders, nectar, and accessories. Disconnect from your technology, gadgets, and daily obligations, and discover the natural beauty of hummingbirds. Visit us. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, they, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the 
next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh-huh. what's happening. So your, idea, your, your thought is that in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine-to-five kind of job oh, for you? Oh, hell no. It's a lot longer uh-huh. than that, baby. So do you, have to, do you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Sure, it's balsambid.com, and, and you can download the Balsam Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more Balsambid. time. Balsambid.com. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the show host, Herb Cohn. We'd like to introduce Catherine and Harvey Mendelson, CEO and president of Sunnyside Restaurant Group. Well, what is Sunnyside Restaurant Group? What do you guys do? We own three concepts, and we are launching two more restaurant concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, and how large or small is the team? The team is, uh, the corp- our corporate team is 125 people. Mm-hmm. And uh, where are you from originally, Catherine? Montreal. And how many brothers and sisters? None. I'm an only child. And what makes an only child special? I think your parents focus on you, so that gives you a lot of confidence. They think you're ki- kind of great at everything. Uh-huh. All righty, David. Uh, how old were you when you started working in the restaurant business? I was 11 years old. And what were you doing? Uh, I was cashier. So, but isn't that kind of lousy? Your friends were out at age 11 playing, having fun? No, I loved it. I loved the buzz. 
Wh- what do you mean you love the buzz? I've always loved the buzz. For me, it's, this is not a business. This is a life. I love it. Every day, I love it. I don't feel like I'm going to work ever. What do you mean you don't feel like you're going to work ever? I've never worked a day in my life. What, what time do you start with emails or what time do you start thinking about the business in the Six morning? Six o'clock in the morning. What time do you stop at night? Two o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. Do you, you don't have to work weekends though, do you? Yes, I do. Well, I don't have to, but I do. So you're telling me from uh, 6 in the morning to 2 in the morning, you're thinking or working on the business, including the weekends, and you don't think it's work? No, I don't. Because I love it. What do you love about it? I love everything about it. I love the research of it. I'm always looking for new ideas in the business. I talk to my grandchildren about it. I tell them stories about it. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's a life. It's just a life. My employees are all my family. I care about them. Mm-hmm. John, so your dad took you to Paris when you were eleven. Yes, that's right. Talk about that. Why why did that? Uh, he help took you me to, to Paris. He took me to the most interesting markets. Uh, he took me to Fauchons. He took me to Fouquet. He took me to Maxime's for dinner. Um, he wanted me to see what was the best in his line of work. So your dad, your dad inspired you. Your mom was a socialite. Your dad was a famous restaurateur in Canada. Now your children both work in the business. Your son's a celebrity chef. So family is obviously important. Very. Talk about that. Very. What, what do you yeah. mean? Why, why, why is uh, and you were mentioning that you're that the folks that are working in the restaurant or at the restaurant are part of a part of your family? Yes, they are a part of our family. What do you mean? Well, as a matter of fact, I mean, our corporate office is just one big, wide open space with probably at any time of the day, we're about 10, 12 people working in there, talking across our desk, across the conference table, um, just exchanging ideas. Uh, Somebody's working, they lift their head, our uh, controller lifts her head and tells us, well, she ate an ice cream cone at this place that was great, Mm -hmm. and we should go see it. I mean, Uh let's move to you, Harvey. What's your role at Sunnyside Restaurant Group? I'm really not sure. No, <laughs> actually, I look after the accounting and management and uh, leases and things of that nature. And where did you grow up? I- in Montreal. And how many brothers and sisters? I'm the middle one. Now, I understand as a young boy, you worked in a retail clothing store. Can you give us the scope of what you did there? Yes. Uh, I started off cleaning, looking to make money, and then I found out that people were coming in and just walking around, so I started selling. And I found it very easy, very natural, very normal to this day. And how does that parallel with what you do for the restaurant group? Well, I never expected it, but I do that now for our expansion, for our franchisees, for our overseas uh, operation. We're selling. We're constantly selling. That's what we do. It sounds to me like you have this natural ability, Harvey, to see what needs to get done, even though it's not right in front of you. Am I right about that? Absolutely. And, and, you know, the way I'm picking that up is, you know, you were brought in to clean the floors or something in this clothing store, but you ended up seeing people walking around and you just naturally migrated toward taking care of the customers. How's that all playing out nowadays in terms of building this enterprise known as uh, Sunnyside Restaurant Group? Well, it's worked out pretty well. We have about 15 locations. We have about 15, maybe six or seven more to go. And unlimited. Unlimited. So you, you're, you have a natural ability to keep developing things. Absolutely. And your wife and your business partner is like the idea guy of the team. Mm-hmm. So she's always thinking about new ideas, and you get stuck implementing them. Is that the way it works? No, 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 no. I look forward to it. What do you it's mean exciting. you look forward it's to exciting. it? It's exciting. She creates, and I sell them. Uh-huh. Even when it's not finished, I can sell it. 
Uh-huh. So you guys really work hand-in-hand hand together. You're right. Uh-huh. All right. If I was doing a good interview, Catherine, what am I missing? What should I be bringing out here? Well, I think it's the synergy between um, Harvey and I, and I think um, also the fact that... Uh, Maria, how, how long have you guys been married? About 40 years. Uh, Harvey, did you know who you were marrying way back then? Absolutely. Uh-huh. So you realized that she was the idea guy and the driver and everything. At the beginning, not so much at the beginning, but we see it now. After the first hour, we found out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and Catherine, did you know who you were marrying back then? Oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. So yeah. he was pretty good at implementing stuff. He, he was uh, sharp, very sharp. I loved the business. I loved his mind. Uh-huh. There was something, uh, wasn't there something about a, a shoe or something like that? What was that? Yeah, you mentioned earlier your mother gave you some great financial advice. What's in the shoe? A lot of money. Okay. <laughs> well, how, 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 what, what kind of advice did your mom give you? What was that all about, Harvey? Shall we say that you never know what's going to happen in business. It can, it can be great one day and you lose it tomorrow, so put away something for a rainy day. So wh what did that sense of being resourceful and saving, what's that have to do with building this organization, Sunnyside Restaurant Group? Well, we don't, uh, we don't take we take all the opportunities we can. We don't sell our business to people just for the sake of money. We finance ourselves. We always have. We go slow but sure. Wait, 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 wait. Give me this again. We don't finance. We don't finance uh -huh. through third parties. Uh huh. We finance all our our uh, applications through it with our own funds. So you learned about bootstrapping. You learned about saving your money and reinvesting your savings. And so, do you have a really fancy dancy car? Is that what you guys spend your money on? Nah, we don't do that. Nah, it's not for us. No. What what, what is what is for it? What is for you guys? Hmm. It's building the business, isn't it? Always, 24-7. What do you mean? We concentrate all the time on building our businesses, having relationships with our management team, getting to know our employees constantly. It's a constant thing. It's very enjoyable. What, what, what's enjoyable about it? Some people would find it stressful or it's work. or Heavens. You know. I, I don't know about stress. I don't know about retiring. I don't know about nonsense. We're here to do something. We love it. Every day, every day. Somebody mentioned, but every day is a wonderful day. Huh? How about that? Yeah, Catherine. What else am I missing in this well, interview? Well, what you're missing from just what Harvey said is that we travel all the time, so we take all our children with us wherever we go. We want everybody with us. Um, you know, we've traveled with some employees sometimes because we we're, we want to develop. We want to see what they're doing in the world, and we bring it back. We're always in other restaurants. I have the biggest um, collection of menus from restaurants all over the world. I love to meet chefs from all over the world, and that's what we do. So that takes us. That's our recreation. So it kind of like all ties in. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that you really enjoy the restaurant industry. You really enjoy checking out menus, checking out concepts, talking to chefs, figuring out what you think is going to work in different markets. Absolutely. That's a, uh, all day long. And that stems from the, I, it's, it sounds to me like your dad had exposed you to that when you were 11 years old, taking you to France. Yes, you're right. Huh. And you guys really enjoy this stuff. We love it. You think you're going to ever retire? No. I, what I love is the legacy now of it. I'm loving the legacy of it. I'm loving that my daughter um, is taking over the business. My son is in the, my son is in the, in the field, and we, we exchange ideas all the time. And I want to bring my grandchildren into it, too. So it's a lot of fun for you. It's, it's building a lot the team. of fun. And I love the two-generation thing that goes on in our business because it comes two different points of view to everything. Well, what are you talking about? They, they, don't, they don't know the restaurant business like you do. Why would you listen to them? Oh, because 
They're the new. They're they're what's there. They're what's out there. You have to be. You have to listen to young people. That's that's what that's what the future is. They are the future. They're our future customer. So you're listening to them because you're concerned about their opinions. Yes, absolutely. So you're like you're always digesting. You you never stop. You're always digesting new information. What's going on in different parts <laughs> of the right. world, different parts of the country, right. different menus, different. Yes. It's like a big puzzle for you. You're quite right. Huh. It's a big puzzle. What else are you guys thinking? So you, so earlier somebody talked about business being art and science. So it seems like, Kathy, you're the art. Harvey, you're the science. Would, would that be correct? Right on. Right on. And, and the science piece, why is that so important? The numbers. Yeah. It's, uh, not the, it's the only thing. In today's world, it's very nice to create, but if you don't have a good bottom line, you're wasting your time. Well, what's, so the, what's the website address? Is Sunnyside Restaurant Sunnyside Restaurant Group Sunnyside Restaurant Group dot com. We've been speaking with Catherine and Harvey Mendelson, CEO and President, Sunnyside Restaurant Group, as well as we've had the opportunity of speaking with Julian Setian, President and CEO of SOS International, Brandon Torres Declet, CEO and co-founder of Measure, Alex. Kaludrovich, who's General Manager of American Technology Services, and again, most recently, Catherine and Harvey Mendelson, CEO and President of Sunnyside Restaurant Group. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, John Yetman, Association for Enterprise Growth, that's Association for Enterprise Growth, David Kunzman, Praturi Law, and Shirley Mallory Hertzbach for giving me a hand structuring the questions, hopefully providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. Uh, I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today, and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.